want to start today's program by by checking how many of you are old enough to remember hearing this coming out of your radio. Hello, Americans. This is Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I'm sure many of you remember Paul Harvey and his daily newscast. I've been told that if you lived in the Midwest, when his newscast came on, about every tractor in the field came to a stop. As they listened every day to a credible news source, a credible newsman, that seemed to understand the heart and the soul of what really is America. We don't have many of those kind of people anymore in our society. We don't have anybody really that much anymore in our news media trying to find truth, information, and just a common sense commentary. It's becoming almost impossible. It is impossible to find. There are a few different, there are a few examples out there, some good ones. I'm going to share with you some thoughts and some news stories that I'm looking at. And some of the things that God is really laying on my heart in these recent days. And some things that I hope that you'll take to heart and kind of understand how you, my audience, has made this program possible and what I believe the future of this program is going to be. This morning we get up and we're putting the news on. I'm trying to go through the emails of the day. This is the normal process in the Beerman household for a guy that was supposed to have retired and spend more time in ministry the pandemic upended everything and I just felt very led last year to begin what I thought would be a daily radio program for a short season I've always believed in the power of shortwave radio I do understand and I know and I use the internet so it's not like I'm opposed to the internet at all we use it for this program Many people listen daily as a podcast. But I believe in the power of shortwave radio. There have been a lot of people that have done news and commentary programs, especially from a Christian worldview, that made their ministry on shortwave and then ran away to the Internet, which I think personally is a huge mistake to be Internet only. We'll talk about that a little later on in the program today. But I was thinking back, Paul Harvey, I was a young radio announcer working in a small town in upstate New York. It's a little town called Newark, New York, not to be confused with Newark, New Jersey. It's a town of about 8,000 people or so, about 13 miles south of Lake Ontario and about 30 miles east of Rochester, New York. As a kid, I called it the snow capital of the world, even though back when I was there, it was the rose capital of the world. Back in those days, a company called Jackson and Perkins was still there. They moved out west sometime in the latter part of the 1970s. But I can remember their rose gardens. I can remember this community, and I can remember the snow. But I also remember that first radio station that I went to work for in that community. And every day... Every day at noon, 
we have Paul Harvey. Hello again, Americans. Stand by for news. One of the most listened to programs on that radio station. I'll tell you that right now. Even though the radio station was was considered a top 40 radio station, people listened to Paul Harvey News. It was a big deal. Even until when he passed away not that many years ago, he was still a beloved commentator and the kind of a newscaster you could trust. Now, when you look at some of the people on ABC, remember, he worked for ABC News back in the day. Paul Harvey was from ABC Radio back when I was starting out. He had been there even long before I was a radio announcer, well-known in Chicago. And I know listeners that I have in that area remember him well in Chicago and how he got his claim to fame. But how many of us, as the years have gone by, would listen to his news and commentary, uh, the rest of the story, We learned a lot from that man, and what he shared with us as a newscaster was truth. And he'd be the first one to tell you if something was a lie. He didn't pull any punches when it came to the integrity of being a journalist, because he became, in essence, for many people, their daily source of the news. They didn't even trust some of the TV people back then, though you could have a greater trust for network news years ago. My trust level for them is getting closer and closer to zero with each passing day. This radio program, when it started about a year ago, a little over a year ago, was to bring you truth to ponder. In other words, to give you the stuff that maybe you're not finding or it's hard to find or there's conflicting data. And we, we've gone through this maze of misinformation for 18 months in terms of the pandemic from both sides of the issue. I hear things all the time that people say this, that, or the other that are supposed to be I'm using the term loosely here, the common sense or conservative side, and they're passing along some nonsense. So I shared on a on a phone call today with a with a friend of mine. So we got to be careful about one thing. Those that are trying to discredit you will will feed you some plausible misinformation. And once you get caught sharing that one tiny piece of planted misinformation, then the tech tyrants can easily shut you down, shut you off, cut you off, even deplatform you because you can be proven for sharing some misinformation. And there's a lot of it out there. I'm not going to get into some of it today. I really don't have time, but there's a lot of it out there. When it comes to the virus, when it comes to the vaccine, which are not vaccines, and just in case you're wondering, I I really, I don't want to take it because there are some questions that are yet to be answered. 
especially when it's not a vaccine. And and I know a lot of the things that have been said, I, I'm fully aware. But I'm deeply concerned and I'm beginning to become increasingly suspicious that these vaccines may be uh, the source of the variants. That's becoming increasingly obvious. We'll push that program into next week. But I'm looking at some of the news today and all the things that are predictable. Now, I want you to stop and realize that in any despot society, now just follow along with me carefully, in any despot society, you don't need one straw man, you don't need one boogeyman, so to speak. You need to have multiple attacks at all times to keep people unnerved. People need to be worried about the virus. They need to be worried about climate change. They need to be worried about this, that, and the other. It never ends. So you never you never let a good crisis go to waste. When you have fear over here beginning to wane, then do some fear on this side with, with another topic. Never give anybody a break. Never give anybody a rest from it. it it's got to be a constant barrage of information to keep you in fear looking for leadership to get you through the problem. If you didn't follow that, let me just kind of say it again. We have many stories out there, and they keep running from one to the other, then back to the other, and over to the, and sometimes they they bring out a lot of these topics because number one, it's expedient and convenient to do because something has happened. And they amplify it so they can cover up some other mistakes. Now, Afghanistan, a good example of how you not exit a country. Everything that could go wrong was went wrong by design. I'll just say that. We'll get back to that. Well, what's today's big story? There are two stories out there. They're all the same story. Good old, good old Ida. Ida, the former hurricane-turned-tropical storm, came plowing through New Orleans. And we know that New Orleans, despite what they learned 16 years ago with Katrina, they were still pummeled and they still were not thoroughly as prepared as they could have been. That's just a truism. That's just the way it is. As I told my wife as we... We're deeply concerned for those in the pathway. I've got a couple of friends that live in that area. And I have not heard from them, but I can understand why. I know they were going to evacuate, so they're not they're not really wanting to make a lot of noise right now. They're just trying to piece their lives back together. But I can remember after Katrina. I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was 16 years ago, that the the mantra started getting amplified. See, Katrina, Katrina is that super hurricane, and it was all caused by global warming. Now, remember the word global warming. Global warming is going to cause bigger and more monstrous hurricanes every year going forward. Every year. Not every once in a while. No, every year we're going to see a multiplication of monster and super storms. It's coming, and it's all your fault if you happen to drive a Jeep 
or any kind of an SUV or have a gasoline-powered lawnmower. It's all your fault that you caused Hurricane Katrina and all the hurricanes that will happen multiple times every year from this year forward because we have crossed the line of no return. How many of you remember people making those statements? My memory is pretty good. What happened in 2006? Was there monster hurricanes plummeting? Beating up the United States? No. 2007, 2010, years go forward. All of a sudden, the prediction that every year is going to bring multiple monster storms to just tear into the United States, it didn't happen. In fact, it was many, many years before the next hurricane even touched U.S. shores. But we were told because of man-made global warming, not climate change. That came a little later. Because of man-made global warming, Hurricane Katrina's are going to look mild. They're going to be little storms by comparison. So let's back up a little bit here and look at this logically and honestly. Was there a prediction of monster storms caused by mankind getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year? True? No, it wasn't. How do you have years where there are virtually no storms? If man made global warming. Now, see, the problem started to occur when all their charts and graphs were no longer showing a pattern of global warming. And so the word was changed. When they had a climate summit, I think it was 2006, maybe seven. I can't remember which year. Al Gore was going to go. A lot of people were going to go to this big climate summit. And it had to be canceled because of, for global warming, obviously. This was a global warming summit. Had to be canceled because of record snowfall. So the decision was made somewhere along the way, We've been saying global warming since 1992, and it really isn't working out like the predictions were made. Every major prediction about global warming that we heard beginning almost 30 years ago, all those catastrophic events that were supposed to be part of our everyday life have never come true. Yet we're told... We have 10 years before it's everlastingly too late. And I've heard that for 50 years. That We have 10 years left before it's actually 51 years now. We have 10 years left before it's everlastingly too late. New York got hit by, a, by the remnants of Ida. Lots of rainfall. Lots of flooding. In New York City. And I'm watching Mayor de Blasio of New York, who, by the way, wants to run for governor. Good luck with that. But then again, you never know. And Chuck Schumer, all whining and saying, it's all your fault because you didn't fix global, well, climate change. You didn't fix climate change. If this doesn't make you open your eyes to man-made climate change, nothing can do it. Well, let's look at this thing 
carefully. 67 years ago, this coming October, New York City was hit by a hurricane called Hazel. I was born that night. I can remember Hurricane Donna. I can remember a lot of storms that have come over the years. My grandparents would tell me about stories of of major storms hitting in the 1930s. And on record are plenty of, of monster storms in the 1800s. What happened in New York? Well, let's let's see what's happened since Hurricane Donna, Hurricane Hazel, and others. Find a piece of dirt you can, <laughs> that has grass on it anymore. All of that area is thoroughly built up. You have more people there now by a factor of almost two than when I came along. When you get a big rainstorm, where's all the water going to go? It exceeds your capacity of drainage. I can remember as a kid in Long Island, we had these big holes in the ground. They were, and they had a big fence around them. They were big holes in the ground. And they were called sumps, spelled S-U-M-P-S, sumps. And every neighborhood in Long Island seemed to have one or two. They were huge. They were bigger than a football field in some cases. And that's where all the runoff water went to from the streets. All the rainwater in the streets, that's where it went to, to feed that water, to feed that water into the sump so it could eventually get down to the water table and it wouldn't flood. But as you keep increasing capacity and you keep building, the house that I lived in in Long Island, there's now a house in the backyard. I mean, it's it's that dense. The population has gone up. Their infrastructure was sufficient for your typical average years. But anybody in emergency management can tell you there's what's called the one-year floodplain, the 10-year floodplain, the 100-year floodplain, and the 500-year floodplain. Yeah, there really, there really is a 500-year floodplain. You know that statistically at some point, you're going to have a period of time where the weather pattern is just right to bring a massive rainstorm occasionally across your part of the world. New York was not hit by some massive, powerful hurricane. It was hit by a massive rainstorm that developed in the Gulf of Mexico, as many storms have done over the past Well, long before anybody lived in what we call New Orleans or the state of Florida, Alabama, or Mississippi. Long before Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Storms have been hitting this continent. It's just what storms do. And all the fear of, well, you know, you've seen it. There's Katrina. We're going to have more of those every year. Every year, we're going to have more deadlier storms. Well, here's one thing also to remember. Let's look at weather forecasting 30, 40, and 50 years ago. There were a lot of tropical storms that formed we never heard about because they were no threat to the United States, and our weather radar system was not as, shall we say, fired up as it is today. So there are a lot of storms that we never heard about 
in the 1950s and 1960s or even in the 1970s or 80s. But as more satellite technology has improved over, the, over time, we can find a small, tiny storm. You may have missed one. It was called Kate. Kate came and went in the middle of the Atlantic. It's gone. It fell apart. Ten years ago, we never would have heard of, of a name stormed named Kate. We do now. So, yeah, we have more storms. We have a better way to, to find out about these storms. But there's the mantra. You've got Chuck Schumer trying to raise, like, what, $5 trillion with a T for more infrastructure and the war against climate change. You know what that war means for you? Simply put, here's what it means for you. More loss of your freedom. The pandemic has been used to take away freedoms more than trying to stop a virus. Many of the decisions may have proven to be the wrong ones, but loss of freedom. Maybe maybe we need to have everybody in tiny electric cars in, in 10 years or less. Maybe we need to raise the price of gas. Maybe we need to have a tax on the mileage you drive. We need to control how you live. How many children you have. Because you're the one causing climate change. Now, now China's not causing it. They can do whatever they want. They can manufacture all our goods. Look at how many things in your house are made in China. And they don't care about global warming and climate change. None of it means anything to them. They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to pollute like they want to pollute. People wear face masks in China not to get rid of a virus, but because of the large pollution particles in the air they breathe. A lot of people thought that they were smart because they were trying to stop a virus. No, they're trying to stop the pollution from, you know, crudding up their lungs. And so the elites of the world that'll fly around like John Kerry in his private jet to go to climate change summits, leaving a bigger carbon footprint daily than you'll leave in a lifetime, telling you how you're supposed to live. Remember Barack Obama telling you how you should live and how you're to blame for climate change? Of course, he's got a house on Martha's Vineyard. Apparently, he's not worrying about rising sea levels. He's not worrying about social distancing at his 60th birthday party. None of that that applied to him, of course. It never does to the elites. And here you and I are left to fend for ourselves, struggling to find real and accurate news. I can't do this all by myself. And I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm about to give you some positive thinking here. I can't do this all by myself, but the mission and ministry of what we're trying to do, talking about news, using more than one platform. It's wonderful that we have multiple platforms. More shortwave radio, because it's one of those things that the tech tyrants really don't have any influence on right now. I use multiple 
pathways for the program to be heard as a podcast, not one, but multiple, even though each one of those then feeds to other sites. So it's a growing it's a growing place for this program as a podcast, though I, would, I want it to grow more. But I want to have control over much of it in terms of the content that may be attached to it that I have no control over. Quick example, if you listen on Spreaker, you may hear an advertisement. I have no control over that advertisement. I get nothing out of that advertisement. They do. I use PodPoint, which is a Christian site. I have control on that, but I have to pay a monthly fee. This way you don't hear advertising. I I heard from a listener a while back that listens to the podcast and was warning me about some of the commercials that occasionally have come up. And they are not in fitting with what I'm doing, though it's where we're at for the moment. The website that I have, it's something that I put together. Normally, I can do a lot better job on websites. I've built a number of them over the years. But in doing this show, I've got to decide, am I doing a radio show or am I building a website? Am I going to be a news journalist or am I going to be more of a preacher commentator? It's kind of hard to do both, though I've been trying to do that, and I think I've done a, hopefully you think I've done at least a passable job. God is opening up a door path I can't wait to tell you about. You'll hear more about it even in more detail next week. Truth to Ponder is more than just a radio show. It is a concept of passing valid information coupled with the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We talked extensively and we will talk even more on tomorrow's program, believe me, about what is truth, what is delusion, And what does God's word have to say about all of what we're going through in our world today? You need to hear it. I think many churches are almost afraid to say some of these things for fear of losing some people in their church buildings. And after the coronavirus decimated many churches' attendance and incomes, not all, of course, many are a little bit more cautious on the things that they say. Many don't want to run afoul of their local governments or state governments either in some states. But maybe it's time for the bold witness and truth. You know, telling the truth is a lot easier than trying to remember all the lies you've spread. It's easy to keep your story straight when you're telling the truth. For the past year and a few days, I've come to you in doing this program. And I will continue to do so. I'm going to assure you this program is going to grow. And it's not because I'm such a great presenter on on the radio. It's not that I'm such a great genius about how to do all this. I'm just using all these years ago, back 50 some odd years ago, as a young disc jockey in a small radio station in upstate New York listening to Paul Harvey. And all the interim years in between where I've learned about the radio business, 
I've learned about life. Growing up tends to teach you a lot of lessons about life. Some of the unusual opportunities that God afforded me that I never dreamed that I would have, that most people never get. And I look at myself, who am I, Lord, that you would give these opportunities to me? I look at what I'm trying to do with expanding shortwave. I know a lot of people say, well, why? Let me tell you, I'm learning from the mail that I get. The majority of those that write a letter to this program are listening primarily on shortwave, not the Internet. That's just, that's just a fact. And I look at this nation, I look at this hemisphere. I even think about the Caribbean, any English-speaking area that I can reach in the Western Hemisphere. And by God's grace, maybe even on shortwave, I'm praying about the opportunity of this program beaming over where it can be heard on a regular basis on shortwave in places like Ireland, England, Scotland, and in much of Europe where English is spoken. That door could open as well. There are Christians everywhere, my friends, even in Afghanistan, even in Pakistan, even in India, even in China, even in North Korea. And they're the ones that are under persecution. And we in America, we don't even know what persecution is yet. We're going to find out shortly. When I get back, I'm going to tell you or kind of start giving you some things that are happening in the background. Yeah, we're going to hear about climate change. It's all your fault. You're the reason that Ida hit New York. It's all your fault because because you drive an SUV, because you eat beef. It's all your fault. New York got flooded today because you did it by not capitulating to the climate change warriors. Climate change is a religion, and I'll explain that, too, when I get back. You need to—I didn't plan this this opening to be what it became. We're being divided on critical race theory. We're being divided on Afghanistan. We're being divided left and right, abortion, you name it. We have things dividing us, and the climate change. Anytime Afghanistan fades, you know, gets to be too big of a story, jump into climate change. If climate change becomes too big, jump into women's rights and abortion. If that if that goes away, then it's voter rights. You just We got to keep it stirred up all the time. We can never let it go. Because if we ever get back to a normal, people's eyes may be open, and the cry is going to go up, we've had enough. Satan is working overtime on those that have given their life over to their sins. And I'll talk about this extensively tomorrow. It's a program, tomorrow's program. You do not want to miss tomorrow. We're going to go into God's Word and dissect what is going on in the world today, and it's going to be an eye-opener. I'll put it this way. Many people in leadership today are living in self-inflicted delusion. The Bible says how they get it. It also tells you the horrific and horrible end results. We're going to get ready to go into a new phase in the next couple of weeks of Truth to Ponder. You're going to hear a few additional things coming to this program. 
I'm talking to a couple of people. I'd like to be able to help them as they help me. I'm in a different set of circumstances. I'm, I'm retired, so I don't worry about paying myself. But there are some people that I'd like to be able to give at least some compensation for some of the effort they do. The Bible does say the workman is worth their wage, even for part-time. I need the help. I think we can grow this program, not just to give you the news, but to give people the word of God while we still have time. Millions are dying was an old Christian song ages ago. Millions are dying. And right now, millions are dying and they haven't had the opportunity. This program, besides being a news program, needs to quicken people's hearts and minds. There's a lot of bad theology out there. We'll talk about that when we come back. If you believe in the work that we are doing here, would you consider even a small amount of financial support? Right now it's paying for the radio time. And if God opens the pathway, then I'm going to get a little bit of help. It won't be much, but any little bit helps. I got some equipment I'll need to get for somebody that could take a tremendous burden off of me and develop their stride and where God is leading them. And I hope that you will understand where I'm coming from when I say that. If you believe in the ministry of Truth to Ponder, our mailing address, and they will stay the same for a few more weeks at least. You know, In other words, anything sent during the month of September is going to be fine to go to 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. And we are located in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. That's 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's our secure box, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about what God has laid on my heart, and I'm excited. We live in a very difficult time. We're coming into a time of tribulation, and God is calling his people. He's preparing his people. He's readying his people. I want to do my little part, and that's all it is, a little part, in doing what God has called me to do. Would you pray for me as we go forward? With that, we'll be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The Spirit of Heaven coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the Nice Jewish Boy. Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on getting a special free gift you're going to love and get in a moment. Now, Sukkot. Try it. Sukkot. That's Hebrew for the Feast of Tabernacles. It's really called Sukkot. Now, this was the final feast. It it came at the end of the Hebrew year. It was all about the end. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about heaven. And it contains the mystery of heaven. That's this Feast of Tabernacles. Beautiful thing. But one thing in it was the water ceremony. In Tabernacles, they poured out water and they prayed for the outpouring of rain. And so the book of Joel speaks about the outpouring of the rain and the Holy Spirit. It speaks about the Holy Spirit. You see, there's this link between heaven and the Holy Spirit. A heavenly life is a life of the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit walk in the newness of life. Those who receive the Spirit, they have to live by the Spirit. So, you know, heaven is not about 
having everything you want in this life. You know, we think heaven is if I get this money, I get this job, I get this person, I get married, I get this. No, no, no. A heavenly life has nothing to do with that. A heavenly life is a life that is led by the Spirit. You want a heavenly life now? You can have it. But be led by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Think in the Spirit. Praise in the Spirit. Rejoice in the Spirit. Commit your life to living a life in the Spirit. Not dwelling on the flesh, but living and dwelling and walking in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit now. And the life that you live will definitely, guaranteed, absolutely be a heavenly one. Because heaven is a place that is filled with the Spirit. Want more? Ask for the Festival of Heaven. Now, what if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God? Well, you can. Sapphire's Daily Spirituals Vitamins for a Victorious Walk with God. Updates on Israel, prophecy, the incredible mystery of the temple doors, all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, my friend, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, you can actually spread salvation around the world for very little through shortwave radio, from the Arctic Circle to Israel. It's amazing. It's like sending a billion tracks around the world. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1, and you'll do great things for God. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Now, how do you write me? Direct? Well, just write to the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Nice Jewish Boy, 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Yeshua Tenu, our salvation. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. As I said at the beginning of the program, and I never really got to it, I'm sorry, just it's, I guess my mind has got so many things to share with you. There was a news story. I shared one yesterday, and I'm going to share a different one, but similar today. Oftentimes we talk about our schools, our public schools, our state-funded colleges and universities. They're no longer institutions of learning and higher learning. They're increasingly becoming indoctrination centers for a single ideology. And you're forced to comply. Remember, when you put your child in elementary school, middle school, or junior high as we used to call it, high school, these teachers have a tremendous amount of influence on how your children are going to come out. Now, I'm very thankful for me personally. Growing up, my parents saw the importance of a Christian education. We moved to a community to be near a Christian school. That's the only reason we moved to this one town, was to be near a Christian school. And that's where I spent my kindergarten through the eighth grade. Now, we decided, my family did, I didn't, but my family decided to to move to a small town near Lake Ontario in upstate New York. And see, back then, schools were still not yet really indoctrination centers. You had... You had teachers that had were World War II vets. They had common sense. 
and they cared deeply about their children. See, a lot of those teachers back when I came through, they also had children in the public school system. Well, in California, we talked about two different teachers now in California. The one that was just giddy and bragging about her rainbow gay flag, and that's what she allows her students to say the Pledge of Allegiance to these days, and she feels uncomfortable with an American flag, so somehow during the coronavirus pandemic, she took it down, and then it got lost, and she doesn't care, and it's a big joke to her. Hopefully, she'll be fired. Another teacher in California, and once again, please understand, these are not as rare as you think. It's just these people have enough of a reprobate mind, and they're so delusional, they they think that they can just carry on without any accountability. So a school teacher in California looks like all set to be fired after the video that came out praising Antifa, discussing his efforts to turn students into Antifa revolutionaries. Man, parents, even in California, they're outraged. They're angry for the district to be continually allowing the political indoctrination of their children. Now, it was Project Veritas, who I I have a great respect for. They've been sued. But, you know, truth is truth. Sorry, folks. Gabriel Geip, who teaches advanced, ready for this? Gabriel Geip, I'm looking at his picture. He teaches advanced placement government in Intercom High School in Sacramento, California. And in this video, he's explaining how he pushes his political ideologies on his students. Now, here's what he says. These are his words, not mine. I have an Antifa flag on my classroom wall. And a student complained about it. He said that it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this Antifa flag is meant to make you fascist. That's what he called the kid. Feel uncomfortable. So if you feel uncomfortable, I don't really know what to tell you. Maybe you shouldn't be a fascist, aligning yourself with those values. That this flag is Antifal too. That's what Guype told the interviewer. He goes, I've got 180 days to turn students into revolutionaries. Adding that the way to combat teenage apathy, and I can't repeat the words that he uses to scare the blank out of them. He also admitted using students to show up at protest, including things that he considered right-wing rallies to create opposition. And, if, and here's the worst part. If these students, if these students would show up at these protests and protest what he called right-wing activities, they would get extra credit in the class. I post a calendar every week. I've had students show up for protests, community events, tabling, food distribution, all kind of things. When they go, they take pictures, write up a reflection, And that's how they get out of his class. He and his wife are absolute left-wing political organizers. Not not liberal, we're talking left-wing. Gaip also reported that he had a poster of the Chinese Communist Party leader Mao Zedong in his classroom. 
and taught about the the good about the communist revolution, the cultural revolution of the 1960s, noting that it ultimately failed. You know, this is more common than you would think. Rainbow flags, Antifa flags. And many of these school board people, they kind of know it, but they don't want to know it, then they're not held accountable for it. This is what's going on in your schools. Now, I know there are some places. I, I attended a graduation this summer. Family member in South Carolina. I'll go ahead and say it. It was easily South Carolina, not far from Greenville. And I'm looking at the program, and I'm looking at where the teachers graduated. A number came out of Clemson University just down the road, uh, South, you know, the State University of South Carolina, USC. And, and also, surprisingly, I couldn't believe how many of the teachers in this high school came out of Christian colleges. And as I talked to my granddaughter, I realized that they still are getting a halfway decent education. But you're not going to find that in California. You're not going to find that in the metropolitan New York area. You're not going to find it in many of the blue cities in this country, even in red states. You're not going to find it in Chicago, Minneapolis anymore. You're not going to find it even in Cincinnati. You're not going to find it in Detroit. You're not going to find it in Philadelphia. It's gone. These are increasingly, look, I saw it starting when I graduated high school and I went on to college, those that were just a little ahead of us that graduated high school in the 1960s, that were part of the the 1960s revolution, so to speak. Not everybody, but there was a significant number of counterculture people in the 1960s. Well, they're the ones that rose into places of power in education and now in government and their immediate followers, even part of my generation, hey, they like the incomes of government. They like the power of government. They like the security of government. It's like somebody said, notice that, well, we'll get to that in a second, but these are the teachers. These are the kind of teachers we're increasingly finding because, see, the universities, like I said, the you know Harvard University, their newest chaplain is an atheist. He's the head of being chaplains. He's an atheist. And these were once schools founded to be theological seminaries to train pastors and teachers. But not anymore. The left has taken over these once stellar colleges and universities. And it becomes all about wokeism, all about transgenderism, all about Everything except reading, writing, and the arithmetic we used to talk about. That's, that's, and even history. They're not learning enough history to be able to understand the world in which they live. And so we know now that this teacher is paced on, you know, Guyp is now on paid leave because of his action. <laughs> yeah, anywhere else you get fired, but only when you work for a government school you get paid leave. While we take our sweet time to decide what to do about you in the future. So you're on unpaid leave (laughs) and, and you're getting your benefit package and you're fine for the time being and then you'll probably have a lawsuit and you'll keep getting paid. 
as they try to fire him. I mean, the, these the, it's just the deck is stacked against the families. The district has made it clear that the walls of the teacher's classroom have finally been cleared of all the posters and signage, which included plenty of other material that they also discovered was not appropriate. How do they not know this stuff? How does it does anybody ever go into these classrooms or do these do these overpaid administrators with six figure salaries just hide in their office and think of more stupid things to do to spend your money? I mean, come on. How does anybody not know this in the school that you've got a teacher full of tattoos and he wears a communist sweatshirt or T-shirt with the hammer and sickle and he's got all this rainbow flag, this, that and the other Antifa flag and nobody knows it. It's a great secret, but he's been doing this all last year. The earliest I mean, some of these, I mean, some of this stuff goes back to, they've been there for a while. The district found that these materials were added. They've been there a while. It didn't, it didn't happen last week. And had Project Veritas not exposed this clown, we'd never know about it. If the gal hadn't posted her stuff on TikTok, we wouldn't know about the Pledge of Allegiance to the gay flag. This is what's going on in your schools, and they keep wanting more money because they, they're getting lousier results. The money goes up, the results go down. Now you know why, because they're not teaching anymore. They're indoctrinating. It's all about social justice. Mathematics is racist in, in Oregon. And and I, I, I fear for what's going to happen to the children that we send to these indoctrination centers. This cancer that is creeping through our public school system, it is a cancer that is taking over our schools. There's a cancer that is trying to grab the souls of our children and cast them into hell. And too many parents are too busy with their careers. They don't want to spend the money on, on a Christian education. The public schools will do, and video games and cell phones will keep them out of their hair. Oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. And we'll go to our rock and roll church with the smoke machine and and light show and feel good about ourselves. You know, over the course of several years, this teacher was subjected to many classroom walkthroughs. And everything says the teacher was just fine. Parents are questioning. Of course they are. Those that learned online what their kids are really learning are shocked. Now you got schools saying they want parents to sign documents saying we will not observe our child in in online training. We have a lot to deal with. Tomorrow I'm going to get into the scriptural aspects of this because you need to hear this. The Bible is just exposing the truth right before your very eyes if you're willing to see it. We need to be building in our minds Christian communities. Even, not compounds, just how are we going to work together when it all falls apart? And don't say the rapture is going to get me out of here on a on a get-out-of-tribulation-free uh, card. Number one, what if this is not the great tribulation, just a great period of tribulation like many Christians have experienced where they got hauled off to be killed? like they are in Afghanistan, 
like they were in ancient Rome, like they are in Korea, North Korea, and other parts, beheaded, whatever. You know, I'm sick and tired of Americans thinking we are exempt from all this trial and tribulation. If you believe that, you're a fool. Real quick, for what it's worth when it comes to the schools. I don't think most of us that came along when we did in the 60s and 70s, especially in small town America, we didn't see this coming per se. We, why would we? It wasn't that way when we went to school. And our kids, schools seemed to be fine, especially depending where you lived. And in some places where leftism, I don't call it liberalism, it's leftism. It's a totally different animal. Where it began to take hold and trying to be in the, what I call the country club cocktail liberal set to be considered enlightened, you, don't, you didn't worry about it too much. And as we got into daycare centers, and I'm not criticizing all, I'm just saying, as we got into the two-family income, because we want our little McMansion, we want to have two nice vehicles, we want better vacations, we want more stuff, and our kids need more stuff, we didn't pay as much attention to what they're learning. And I think particularly in the last, oh, 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years, as the computer became more of a fixture in the home, the last 10 years or more cell phones getting in the hands of younger and younger children, video games and all this stuff that entertains and and keeps the kids from bugging the parents. The parents go on with their jobs. The kids go on with their lives. They go off to school. They come home. They're in their room. They're leaving you alone. And you find out they can't read. (laughs) They don't know history. But how would you ever find out if you don't ask? And a lot of parents have simply, sadly, taken it for granted. Children in some school districts in this country are told not to talk about what they're learning to their parents because they're told their parents are just bigoted, uh, homophobic, uh, racist, and you can't trust them. So don't talk about your enlightenment to them because they'll just condemn you anyway. That's what they say. And so for the last generation, literally, it's been growing and growing. More and more with each passing year. Not everywhere, not everybody, not every school. But increasingly, I've met people even in small town America. They come out of these universities. They're the administrators of schools. And they are about as woke as this teacher in California. And you don't know it. Of course, they work for government. So they get benefits, good paychecks, security, hard to fire them. I've seen even in small-town America where teachers want new buildings, new this or new that, and they try to get these oddball days for a referendum that nobody shows up to vote for, and they stack it that way to get millions of dollars of more money. You know, what I was thinking just the other day, when I went to school, I'm trying to think of how many people were in the administration building where I went to school. The administration building was rather small. 
very few people were in the administration. In our high school, there was not a bunch of administrators in that school. You had a principal, a vice principal, and a secretary. Receptionist. That's about it. High school of a thousand students. Nowadays, they got to have all kind of additional administrative levels piled in there that we didn't have back in the day. Other news stories I'm looking at, unvaccinated should not travel this Labor Day weekend, according to the CDC. And what does is, is the CDC know anyway? They, they admit some of the data they're sharing that always gets picked up by the media may not even be correct. But now they, they're telling us that, you know, nobody, if you... If you're unvaccinated, don't you dare even travel. Stay home due to the surge of contagious Delta variant. There's probably 20 different variants out there by now. First and foremost, if you're unvaccinated, you better not travel. That's from CDC Director uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who's had a hard time telling the truth since she took the job. And that's why you only see her on CNN, where, you know, lying is standard practice or MSNBC. Now, fully vaccinated people, they can travel. <laughs> yeah, and they're the ones causing the... I, listen, I've been reading more and more, and we'll get into it maybe next week, but I'm reading more and more. There seems to be a connection with high vaccination rates and more variants. I wonder how that is. Why do we have different standards? I'm going to be talking to somebody next week that has gone through it. Whole family had covid I know people, listen, I know people are getting sick and I know people are dying. I get it. I fully understand it. And I take precautions. Everything that can be done, we're taking. But I don't trust the vaccines. There's something about the vaccines. They're not doing, listen, we're already being told. Remember last year, they're 95% effective. Well, they're 93% effective. Now we're beginning to hear quietly they're 30% effective. And they're also effective at doing some things we don't want them to do. Hey, before our time gets away, if you believe in our mission and ministry and, and where God is leading this program, if you would consider a small gift, it's much appreciated as we continue to do what God has called us to do. Our mailing address, make the checks if you're using a, a check, Ancient Word Radio is what you make it out to. Ancient Word Radio. We are at 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane. Number 263, that's our secure box. Number 263, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We are in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia. And our zip code is 30537. That's 30537. Till tomorrow, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.